I was um, uh, listening to Benny Hinn's um, uh, interview. A gentleman interviewed him about his quote-unquote prosperity message or uh, whatever it is. You know, people buzz and gossip about a lot of stuff. That's the thing about gossip. You only get half the facts. So I said, well, let me listen and hear what he has to say. And I really think what he's trying to convey to the believer is that over the years, he by the media has been identified as a prosperity preacher. And whenever the world gives you a title, it's always done in a negative light. You know, if you're a Christian, uh, you want to be known as a Christian. If you're a uh, minister, you want to be known as a minister. So I think he did this for a lot of reasons to get make sure that he straightens out people's perception of him and also to uh, clarify that he's not against biblical prosperity uh, in general and but there are excess expressions of it by different people like you're going to get that with any message but prosperity is is always um, sensitive I think because there's always extremes when you talk about certain things in in like nobody gets extreme about if you're a sinner you'll go to hell we all know that's true amen so that's not an extreme message but many times the way it things are spoken of uh can sound uh great dire and extreme the way it's presented uh you're not commanded to be rich and God doesn't look down on you because of the amount of money you have or don't have. Um, but I think there, there, it's, it's a sensitive subject and I think it's, this is why it hasn't been taught very much over the years traditionally in Christian churches is because mammon, that money thing, the spirit of mammon has mastery power in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says no man can serve two masters. And so money is referred to in the Bible by God as a master. The reason you don't play around with it too much in your preaching is because it has mastery power. You see what I'm saying? And so I think that's why people are very, like for years there have been wealthy Christians. But we didn't go around broadcasting it. You understand what I'm saying? You worked, you made your money, you considered it a blessing of God. It wasn't something you announced. In fact, there's some some wealthy people. I forget who these people were, but they're just kind of strange. Um, the family that owns the Condé Nast Publishing Company, they publish everything. They get about 80 magazines in public. Vanity Fair, GQ, you name it. They publish Vogue, all of them. They, one family owns all of those publications. And they, somebody had an interview of people in the family, and the son was saying, well, Dad doesn't like us to talk about money. If I said, no, don't, don't, don't. They just, for fear, you know, this is just a paranoia in that family talking about money. Why? Because it'll get you in trouble. It'll get you uh, people angry at you for no reason. There's all because mammon has mastery power. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? It's a big devil. It runs the world. Amen. Money answers all things. 
what does it gain a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul so there's a, a contest between mammon and god all the time and so the christian has to be careful to serve god and not let and master him amen you can't let money master you you can't let that get ahead of god's lordship in your life and it's a race every day and sometimes in some people's hearts it's neck and neck amen we face it all the time do i go to church or do i work an extra shift so if you don't think that that struggle and that fight is real, think again. The Bible won't lie to you. Where is the scripture? Give it to me so I can look it up and we can all look at it. Because y'all sitting there looking at me like I sprouted wings all of a sudden. You know, I mean. It, it's so much of a challenge that many ministers throughout the years have chosen to live in poverty rather than even get involved in it. Yeah. Matthew 6:24. One of the first sermons Jesus preached, the sermon on the mount, amen. right above it he's talking about your eye being single keep your focus single stay focused on God put God first in your life and he'll stay first there's no seconds there's only first place in everybody's life there's no second place you don't order listen when you put God first he orders everything else He's not going to give you the privileges of, well, I put God first, my mother second. No, I don't like her too much today. I put my daddy up. Uh, no. If he's first, he orders everything else. We've had all kind of crazy traditional teachings. Well, you know, when, when you're a minister, you have to be careful. God first, your family second. Uh, no. Suppose he tells you your ministry is second. And the family may not be third. Who are you to rank in your life what comes? You see what I'm saying? If he, if you put him first, he ranks everything else. If you do anything else, you'll screw it up. Cause there are going to be times when your, your family isn't satisfied with second place. Behind God. And y'all all in there serving God. So he says here, 24, no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other. So you got to hate mammon. Let money be your servant and God is your master. But you don't ever let that, that be a competition between money and God in your life. Because guess who's going to beat you up so he can win? The money's always going to win. Because he'll start hiding from you, put you under pressure. Amen. And so it is a challenge in the life and the heart of a Christian to keep God first, period. And let money be your servant. 
Because if God is your master, he'll make everything else in your life serve you if you serve him. And he'll keep it in the right perspective. And I think that's all Benny was really saying. He, he's, he's trying to get himself out from under this identity as a prosperity minister. And so I think these young men that he's been uh, mentoring have challenged him as to to how to correct this identity. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and he's saying that he spent more time recently with the Lord and he's beginning to understand that he needs to correct how people identify him and to correct some of these fallacies about how much money he actually has. People are saying he's worth 20 million, 60 million, this and that. And he said, if I had that kind of money, I'd give it for the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? So, so it, it, it is something that, that probably needed to be straightened out. Hopefully it is straightened out. But I'll, I'll say this as well. As a preacher, I understand messages that God wants preached and, and those that he doesn't. Because when you go to preach something, you have to make a decision. Well, God, what do you want me to say to the people? And then you begin to research it. You begin to make outline notes, whatever it is. And if you follow and you obey God, he will help you with the message. It's called the anointing, but there's another part of it too. That atmosphere has to support what you're preaching. And see, I believe what's happened with many of the ministers who preach on prosperity, money, mammon, the atmosphere has not fully supported what they preach. Now listen to me. When you take an offering, an atmosphere in anybody's church will support any scriptural speaking about money and finances. You'll get your help for that task of receiving the offering and inspiring the people and encouraging your faith. And I can prove that because most of you believe God a whole lot better than when you started, that if you give, it'll be given to you. Amen. Sometimes we don't get the good measure pressed down. You understand? But but we know we're not going to lose if we give to God. At least you got that much. And I believe for that time of the offering, the atmosphere will support anybody who takes an offering in the name of the Lord and follows through with God's work with that money that's given. But beyond that, I ain't so sure. Well, let me tell you why I think that. Because many people who teach prosperity have got caught up, gotten caught up in a warfare and a struggle against the message that they think is coming from people, but it's really the atmosphere fighting them. You understand what I'm saying? If you go in too long on what you're saying as any preacher, that'll drop. You get out there on your own and pretty soon you're trying to beat against the atmosphere that God's created. Really, God's calling, telling you to stop and quit saying what you're saying and move on to what he wants you to talk about. But they keep doing it. That's why they're so defensive about the message. So you can tell by a person's attitude toward their message. Huh? 
And that's why many of them who preach that message now are kind of in their own little bubble with one another and they only trust one another. They don't trust anybody else to come and preach in their place because you got to preach this and don't stop because something out there is against us, but they don't know what it is. And so sometimes the enemy can confound you because you keep pressing in against the reasonable mention of certain things. If you look at some of the ones who were known as wealth ministers, you barely hear them anymore. They're very, the very few and far between are as popular as they were, say, in the 90s when this was the Vogue message. Why have they dropped out? Because they can't get it to work for all the people that they promised. And that was the other thing that Benny Hinn was, was regretful about. And he said, you know, many times people have been told if you give this much, you know, within a week you'll have this. And he said over the years people have come to him and said, that just never worked for me. You know, what do I do now? You understand? So you can't take people beyond their reasonable faith. And also you can't take them beyond their desire to do a certain thing. Because there are some people who are just gifted to be wealthy, period. I don't care what you give them to do. If you give them rubber bands to sell, they're going to put put everything into it and get to that spot and exceed it and go and open a factory and hire more people and, and all that kind of stuff. And And God has a plan for that. But is that everybody in the body of Christ? Of course not, because not everybody's really interested in it to that level. But you have to be careful because the people who are receiving the money for you, from you, are extremely interested sometimes in getting money out of you. And that's where it gets to be a problem. So I think, Brother Benny, I appreciate what he's doing and how he's saying it. And I think that that people need to just listen to him as a man of God who is humbling himself and trying to correct what he feels. And it's not wrong to expect God to prosper you. You have to do that or you will go broke. You understand what I'm saying? But but also expect him to take care of you, lead you and guide you, expect him to heal you, expect the whole gospel. Because if, if you've got a bunch of money and your health is gone, that's not going to help you. So you got to have the whole counsel of God in order to help you. And all he was doing really is trying to correct what he felt was something that was excessive. But understand this, that mammon and God are, are, are rivals for your heart. Mammon has the ability to grab your heart and run away with it and take it away from God. And I think that's the issue that everybody who's a believer has to face at some time. Do I let this go and trust that God will take care of me or do I continue to pursue, pursue, pursue and you know, I, there's people running around now. God promised me I'd be a millionaire. I said, well, you're in a nursing home now. When is this coming? You know what I'm saying? And they're still hanging on to it because they just, that's the way mammon is. It's mastery. And so we just want to uh, give you understanding. I just thought I'd share that with you, see if I can bring you understanding of what this quote-unquote controversy is. It's not controversial. It's been around forever. Uh, sometimes it is best not to talk about money so much because it has everybody that hears that has to make a decision. Do I go pursue that or should I be content where I'm at 
and allow God to bless me by loving him and obeying his rules and living for him. Amen. So I'd rather have the peace with God any day. Amen. Amen. So praise God. All right, we'll stop. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for us coming into understanding of your servants and their attempts to give us clarity and understanding of your word and and how to focus on your word, Father. There's so many things, Lord, that you are concerned about in this world and in this life for us. I thank you, Lord, that you have we have a covenant with you, that you care for every single need that we have. And we thank you, Lord, for the blessings and the riches and glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we thank you to open up our understanding of the word today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. <clears throat> amen. So today we're going to talk about what's in your trust account. <laughs> uh, going from um, mammon to money to trust. No, but what's in your trust account? Amen. That word trust is kind of a big word. Wealthy people like using it. I have a trust account for my children and I have a trust. You have one too. Amen. We all have a trust account. But uh, examine what's in yours so that you can uh, make a, a decision about whether you really trust God or not. How to go into your trust account when you need to, um, when there uh, problems arise in your life or needs are, arise, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> sorry about that. To define trust, a trust to trust is a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, ability or strength of something or someone so it's when you have trust in something you have a firm belief in their reliability in their truth in their ability or strength so if we trust god it says here we have a firm belief not wavering but firm we have a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, ability, and strength of God. So there must be something there stronger than us that we can lean on when you trust someone. The reason we put our trust in, in others is because man has inherent weaknesses. We all have limitations to our abilities. So trust in someone helps us to go beyond our normal abilities in life. So when you want to get beyond and excel, then you have to find somebody that you have trust in in, in certain certain areas of life. Amen. And so when you when you think about that, there are um, people that we know that have qualities that kind of stand out for us where we can say, oh, I can trust uh, so-and-so, like Nola, uh, we can trust her to get here before everybody else and open the church, amen, because she's trustworthy. She's proven herself over a period of time to be trustworthy with that. So I wouldn't find somebody who sleeps late and, you know, comes in just in the nick of time and leaves before everybody else to do that job because they're not trustworthy you understand what i'm saying so trusting is is part experience it's part discernment 
because many times you can kind of discern uh, which people would be good for certain things. Not everybody who's gifted is reliable. Uh, there may be people who have uh, gifts and abilities to do certain things, but they won't be trustworthy because they won't show up with the gift and, and employ themselves and do, you know, always gifted, no apologies. Well, let's put it to work. Huh? Show me. Show me what your gift is. But uh, but you know what I'm saying. And so this this thing of trust is is part experience. It's part knowing as well. What do you know about that individual? What do you know about them? What do we know about God? What we know about him comes from the scriptures. Amen. It comes from a knowledge of him through the scriptures. And it is the word of God that gives us faith in him. So this definition of trust is a firm belief or a faith in that person's reliability. And so when you talk about having a trust account in God, there's got to be something that you know about him, you've experienced about him. There's what's in your account. It, it's it, You have banked in there all of these things. You must know his attributes. What kind of God is he? Is he good God? Is he mean God? Is he, he looking to get back at you for all the wrong you've done or? You know, what, what is it really that we know about God? And so I think it's good to examine your trust account in God. It's good to take inventory of, of what you know about God because it'll, it'll serve you well in times of trouble, in times of challenge, in times of difficulty. What do you know about God? Do you know that He's a faithful God? Do you know that He's a God who keeps covenant? And mercy. He keeps his covenant in a merciful way. Which means that he's not coming to find you. To uh, criticize you. Put you down and levy judgment against you. He is coming to you. As a just God. Who wants to help you. If you are out of order. Or you're in error. God shows up. To correct you. And put you on the right path. It's not just to condemn you and rebuke you because you did wrong amen it's to help you and put you on the right path and so all of these things are in our trust account amen they're in our trust account in god now the legal term in trust means an arrangement a trust in the legal term so we're talking about anything from property to money to is an arrangement whereby a person known as a trustee holds property and its nominal owner for the good of one or more beneficiaries. Amen. So it is a trust in that respect is something that's done for safekeeping and it's also done as a matter of custody. I'll say, for instance, your children, uh, 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 maybe are heirs of say you had a, a parent that passed away and they left certain amount of money to your minor children well that would be held in trust amen with a responsible adult as the guarantor or the trustee over it until such time as those children came of age and were able to have that turned over to them so in other words, a trust account is very precious. And it's given 
when needed so it can't be mishandled. So your trust account in God is given to you and there's a safeguard about against you mishandling it. So that's why greedy people that want to use God's laws to make themselves rich do not eventually in the end prosper. Because your confidence in God is held in trust. Huh? It's held in God's hands. That's why I, I always caution people about, you know, the power of the confession. Now, I believe in renewing your mind in the word. I believe in meditating in the word. I believe in speaking the word um, so that God has something to work with. He, Jesus is a high priest and minister over our confession. But I do not believe that a human being can speak things into existence because we're not God. See, that power to make that thing happen is held in trust. You can't sit here and say a hundred times, I'm a rabbit and make it happen. Because the fact whether or not you turn into a rabbit is held in trust. Amen. So it's up to God to do what's necessary to make that happen. Amen. I was listening to uh, the uh, uh, America's Got Talent. Um, these kids had an interview on one of the, uh, like a local Detroit TV station. And one of the young girls there said, oh, yeah, we spoke that into existence on the bus on the way up there. Now, that makes it sound like America's Got Talent is somehow involved in some kind of crazy. But there are tons of people out there that believe that happens. Because there was one lady said, oh, really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Huh? You see it all the time. You see, you see it on uh, 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 little spots on television sometimes. You'll see people. Do you believe in crystals? Do you believe in speaking things into existence? The world has it, folks. And the demonic realm has it. And they really believe they're speaking at some point will turn it into what they speak. Now how is that different from what Mark eleven twenty three says? The difference is with us, God's involved. God knows the daytime and the hour when your, your promise will manifest. So you're not speaking anything into anything. It couldn't come to you unless it already would be granted by God. So it's granted by God. We receive it by faith. And then it manifests in due season. If you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you say will come to pass, you can have what you say. But it's about putting your trust in God to bring it to pass. And that's where the New Age people and the Christian part ways. Because the New Age person believes that he can do that on his own without God. 
the Christians got sense enough to know I've been doing this till my tongue got dry and it ain't happened yet. So we pretty soon abandon that plan and say, well, God, I better trust you, huh? There the trust has to come in. That this promise is held in trust. Trust me, if most of us could speak stuff, we'd have everything by now. We'd have it so fast. That's why it's held in trust. So we don't abuse God's laws. God's laws will work for us. They will work for everybody. But we can't abuse them. I know we've all said that. We've all been taught that in the past. But we got to get a grip on reality here, a spiritual reality, and understand that God spoke things that came about because these things were inside of him because he's God. If, if, if Avis understands accounting and bookkeeping, she can sit out and figure out anybody's taxes. Why? Because that's in her. So she's really just releasing out of her what's inside her. When God spoke the universe, he was releasing out of him what's inside of him. He said, let there be. The word showed up. The Holy Spirit met with the word and made it manifest. What do we have going on inside of us that duplicates that? We don't have anything. We still got to wait for God, for God to put that word in our heart, put enough faith on it that the Holy Spirit recognizes it's time now. He connects with it and makes it manifest. That's the stuff we can't work out. You see what I'm saying? So what we, what do we do? We hold on to our faith. We've got to walk every day trusting Him that He didn't forget what we asked. He's going to do it anyway. So much time has gone you know, past, but we're still holding on to our faith in him. So I ask you, what do you think is most important to God, that you get your stuff or that you hold on? (laughs) See? (laughs) So the trust thing is right. It's it's held in trust. We got to show we trust. We got to understand what your trust account holds in it. You've got to be understanding of of all of these aspects of of man's relationship with God so that you can, when you start out looking for success in the things that challenge you in your life, you know that you can get them. See? You're not sitting there, well, I hope, I hope God hears me. I hope it's, you know, I, uh, well, I claimed it already. You know, when you get nervous, I claimed it already. You got to guard against people coming in stealing trust. Because people come rushing up in your life, and before you know it, you transferred your reliance from God to man. So your trust is very precious and valuable. If you don't value it, you need to. Because why would the devil send somebody in your life to steal trust? And God away from you if it weren't valuable. Somebody come up with a new idea. Something real flashy. Huh? <laughs> All of that. And before you know it, 
your trust in him starts to waver, starts to wane, starts to drop down a little bit. And so, and, and what, what Christians get railroaded in is doctrine. It's always some new doctrine sounds more interesting and, oh, you know, I, have you read so-and-so's new book? Uh-huh. Huh? And then we get hijacked in our trust away from God. And you were in the word. You were feeling good. You were, you know, doing your word every day. You were meditating on spending time with God. You were riding high. And then all of a sudden, the devil says, oh, well, you know, why don't you listen to him for a minute? Because have you heard what he's got to say about that now? So your trust account is precious. You have to guard it. You have to know what's in it. Then it's a good thing to value it above all else because it it will keep you in good times, bad times, everything. Amen? So if we have trust in God, we must have a reason to do so. So why do we trust God? Psalms 5. is verse 11 but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice let them ever shout for joy because you defend them let them also that love your name be joyful in you so trusting God will not be a depressing thing for you when you trust God that elevates your spirits that elevates your the way you look at life that makes you carefree, that makes you uh, have the oil of, of gladness above everybody else. Amen. And so uh, uh, joy is a, a spiritual force that elevates you and elevates other people. People will want to be around you because you're a joyful person. Amen. Old Debbie Downer, nobody wants to be around her. Amen. Amen. Be, who wants to be around somebody who never has anything good to say? Huh? And see, what'll happen is that that'll cause a spiritual atmosphere. You know, like some people say, I was feeling good until I came around. Huh? Well, it's true. That's why give, God gives us joy. So that we can be elevated, so that we can be more like him. We can ride upon the high places. We can be overcomers. Joy is the wine and the beverage of the overcomers. That's our champagne. That's what we sell. That makes us our life a celebration every day. Amen. See, we partake of that and the rest of the world has no clue what's going on. Amen. Because they see you joyful, you know you've got some things on the on the stove cooking in God, and you're tending them, but you're not panicked about them. They don't wreck your day, huh? You know the 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 whether or not you overcome something is 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 not. Listen, baby, the Lord's telling me to tell you that's not your problem. 
your attitude about it's the problem. If you change your attitude and get joyful about it, that's all there is to it. You understand me? The problem will go away. But it'll stick with you because it, your attitude about it is concern and fear and it's overblown. He's not concerned about it, okay? If he's not, you're not. Amen? Amen. So, see, when we have joy in us, we've already overcome. You know, I found myself saying things like, God, if I never get it, I'm going to serve you anyway. If if that never happens for me, I'm going to be happy anyhow. Huh? Because you can get yourself tied up in a big knot because you're so fearful about what, what a cigarette or nicotine or something like that can do to you. And what other people think about you for smoking. And we don't think nothing about it. We trying to take care of our rent, our meat, our sweets. Huh? I ain't thinking about that. You take care of that. I can't take care of that for you and mine too. You understand what I'm saying? And so God wants us free. And that's what's in your trust account. You got to trust him. That your little bad habit is not a problem. It's not a deal breaker as far as your relationship between you and God. Amen. And anybody else either. So when we understand things from God's perspective, that's how we trust him. So when you trust God, you're full of joy. You're not concerned about anything. Why? Because if you don't have the answer, you know it's coming. If you don't have what you need, you know you you must petition God and start to believe him for it. You got to make some withdrawals from your trust account. But go to your bank in heaven first before you go anyplace else. Amen. Check in there and see what's in there. Huh? For all you people that that keep you know them uh they got it, got it now so you can go on the telephone and dial a number find out what you got in your checking account. You know, all this you taking the bank's pulse every day. And it's a recording anyway, and you sitting up there talking to it. Can you check and see if that one? See, no, ain't none of it cleared. You still gonna have to go to God to get acquitted of larceny. Huh? <laughs> Psalm 18. Why don't we go there? And verse 2. The Lord is my rock. Why should you trust him? He's your rock. Amen. He's your fortress. He's your deliverer. He's your strength. And it says, in who, well, I would definitely trust a person like that. He's your buckler, your shield. Buckler and shield are the same thing. And the horn of my salvation, the strength of my salvation, and my high tower. So that's why you call upon him. That's why you trust him. That's why you, you, it's, in a, you know what, it's good to bank good testimonies and experiences in your trust account. It's good to always be reaching out to God for something if if nothing else to have the experience of overcoming with his power you know we need to always put our confidence always get god involved 
in the things that we need from day to day. I see most people don't even want to bother with that. Well, you know, that ain't necessary. Now, I can do that. We know you can. You can screw it up too. Amen? All you got to do is discount God's importance one time and the devil will creep in there. I shared this testimony as somebody that um, they were working for. I think it was FedEx they were working for. And I said, well, I said, you probably need to start believing God for they were working. They started them out part time, I think it was. And they said, well, I'm going to get full time. But, but check this out. But they can't give it to me until a certain date. And I said, why don't you consider that God could move that date up for you? I mean, who's FedEx? God? When? And see, I do that as a means of challenging a person to use supernatural faith instead of natural faith. Now, you can sit there and virtue signal at me all you want to about, well, what's wrong with waiting? Uh, it's nothing wrong with waiting. Now, let me tell you what's wrong with waiting. It adds nothing to your trust in God account. Oh, I thought we was talking about FedEx. No, we really ain't talking about FedEx. We're talking about God still. Huh? It does nothing for your trust account. Oh. Oh, oh! well, if that's what we're talking about, (laughs) come down to earth. See, you'll do better putting it out there and expecting God to at least shave it back by a week or a day than sitting there waiting on the natural. Time is a killer. You're, you're in charge of the time that's given you. I'm trying to encourage you to use it to the best of its advantage. Because I can tell you, because the devil's out there against you, there's no guarantee. If FedEx said you'll be eligible in six months, there's no guarantee in six months you're going to get anything. Because if you're depending on natural circumstances, the devil come right up and say, no, nah, we moved it back nine months. So you can't get full time for nine months now. So then, then the complaint becomes, well, they told me six months, but now they say nine. Why don't we get God involved? Now they want it. See, when desperation hits you and it finally dawns on you, I've been trusting in man instead of trusting in God. God can get anybody to do anything that he decides to get them to do. Huh? From the president to the janitor. He can get all of them to move at his behest. If he can find one of his children down here who's willing to put, why would you continue to work part time when you could get moved to full time quicker if that's what you really want? Why don't we ask God to do the impossible? Huh? Well, you know, 
Six months ain't so bad because I figured it out on paper and I can do this and I can do that. You ain't going to ever, if the devil goes, rip with your paper, rip, huh, rip. That's exactly what he's waiting to do. He gets you off trusting God and he ball you up and throw you in the wastebasket. Huh? See, it's good to have something always going in your trust account in heaven. It's good to make frequent deposits. And that means frequently trusting God to shift schedules, to make advancements, to move obstacles, to get bodies out of the way, to shave back waste, fraud and abuse, whatever it is that bugs you as a as a worker or an employee it's good to put god in on these things huh it is because that that every time you seek him for something every time you petition him for something that adds to your trust account whether it comes to pass or not because you have evidence there that you trusted him for something and maybe it didn't happen exactly the way you prayed for it or it had, didn't happen now, but eventually it will happen. I was just sharing with, uh, I th- well, Bridget was in the office. I was sharing with her about that movie Unplanned. And she had just uh, uh, prayed the abortion prayer. And so I was telling her, I said, Bridget, God showed me that after 30 years of praying, that phrase we say, pray for workers in abortion for their minds to be cleansed so they can do the will of God. That's how, amen, that's how that girl left Planned Parenthood. Because her mind, she watched uh, 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 an abortion on an ultrasound and saw them pulling that baby's legs apart and everything. She had been taking women back in that back room forever and never knew what was going on. And she was a Christian. See, that's why I say, you know, the, the covers are off now. Everything's exposed. Christians, you got to stay with Christian things. You can't cross over to the other side anymore. Because if God is shaking Planned Parenthood and get all his kids that he can get out of there. Huh? And so that's how she got free from Planned Parenthood. God did a work in her heart. And she began sharing her testimony, sharing her story, wrote a book, and the book became a movie. Why? To free other people, to cleanse the minds of people who are working in abortion. We also ask God to cleanse the minds of legislators. In in Ohio now we have a heartbeat bill. You can't kill a baby if his heart's beating. So, yeah, we can put that in our trust account. You see what I'm saying? Now we can trust God for more seemingly impossible things. It's not magic, it's faith. You have to walk it out over a period of time. It has to mature in your heart. It has to get to the place where God can use it for his glory. He needs to have people who can stick with him through, you know, ride or die. Amen. To stick with him through thick and through thin and see things change for his glory. Amen. See him change the way he wants. 
So <clears throat> you need to, you should have something you need to trust God for this reason in Psalm 18 too, because he is your rock. He's your fortress. He's the one, he's strong and he's able to, to be a refuge for you. He will protect you and you can trust him. He's your high tower. And it says here, because of that, verse 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Amen? Amen. I remember that little song. We used to sing it. <laughs> Hosanna, blessed be. Yep. So, you know, you, you just allow God to be who he needs to be in your life. He can be anything you want to be, but you got to invite him in. Amen. Invite him in on small things like when you get your promotion, when they're going to give you a raise, when they're going to. I can tell you one thing. Once you crack that, you crack that money shell. Amen. All kind of stuff starts falling out of there. That stronghold of mammon that works against believers. See, once you start operating your faith. Your faith will go into strongholds and pull things out of them for you and for other people. It's like a pinata. You know what I'm saying? You just, boom, hit it. You hit it so many times with your faith and you keep cracking and cracking. A little bit falls out and then pretty soon the whole thing opens up. Amen. Amen. That's why we do what we do. Why do you think the devil fights you so hard? He sees Christians trusting God. He sees you. Every time man tells you you're on this schedule, you say, no, I don't want that schedule. And he gets shook up. Because, see, he works with our natural faith. As long as our faith is in natural things, a natural promise. My boss said I was going to get, my my increase comes annually. And, And, you know, I say, well, why don't you believe God for more before annual? Huh? <laughs> I mean, why you gotta believe that? Well, because it's there's really no reason. Some dude that's snorting crack every evening is trying to run your life and tell you you can't have a raise until. Huh? It happened with my husband. He was he was in manufacturing. You know, he <laughs> I used to when I was in manicure school I would give him manicures. That shows you how much manufacturing he <laughs> I say you want clear polish? Nah, just buff them. I don't I don't want to look girly. But you want to be manicured. Oh yeah, I like that. I like that. But um he and eventually he wanted out of the manufacturing sector. It was a little, the work was a little tough for his delicate little sensibilities and so forth. But uh, he didn't have a college degree. He had gone to college and majored in girls and flunked out. <laughs> of college and girls. <laughs> That's where yours truly stepped in. But anyway. Whatever. <laughs> Saying that to say he had no natural credentials that would, you know, <laughs> make him stand out in any way. I think he went for two two years. 
uh, he worked for the post office for, I think, nine months, and he said he rode the elevator and drank uh, MD-2020, him and a buddy of his. The buddy could get out of the, you know, they punch each other out or something silly like that, and he rode the elevator, and they drank Mad Dog for the whole eight hours because he worked nights, no supervision. So he didn't have what you would call a stellar work record. Huh? Nothing to commit him in the natural for anything. But he had a vision for being a manager. And he, he would listen to people who understood how to be successful in business, and he followed that track. And then we found that as long as he followed that track, he was on his way somewhere, but he wanted to get on a different track. He was tired of, uh, he, he had started out as a foreman and then a general foreman, and he just liked the desk. He didn't want to be out there <laughs> with that stuff. He wanted the desk. And so somehow he got transferred. They had a pool of managers in one of the jobs. I know one of his companies totally went out of business. His mom was sick that year, and she passed away. And so by the time she had passed away, we took care of her for a year. By the time she passed away, another job opened up for him. And this job managed things differently. They had a pool of managers that they would draw from. So you had to be able to manage a lot of different areas. And he wound up in human resources, which was the desk. No factory. But he was the assistant manager. The man who was the manager had been there for many, many years but something was wrong with this guy. They couldn't figure it out. They would say, he would call a meeting. Everybody would show up but him. There was, And this had been for a number of months now. And my husband winds up getting hired right when this guy seems to be losing everything. And they didn't know what was wrong with him. My husband said, well, so people say he's on drugs. They say something's wrong with him. They say this, they say that. But one day he showed up and they said, we had to let him go. You're the manager now. You get the desk. Amen. And so he took that job. It didn't pay what he had been making, and but he had lost that anyway. The factory went out of business. And so I began to just tell him, I said, why don't we ask God to do? And God gave me grace with him because my husband would argue with me about almost everything about God except his job. When you said J-O-B, honey, he's right in there. He said, oh, really? God can do that, huh? And so I remember when they would, in the factory, they would say, uh, uh, um, when they would give manage, uh, bonuses to managers, that managers were on the bonus system. Amen. And my husband was in HR. All the managers that were in manufacturing got bonuses because they figured they considered my husband a pencil a paper pusher. Huh? They say if you push steel, you make money, you get paid. If you don't push no steel, you don't get nothing. So he wasn't pushing steel, so they never gave him a bonus. And one day I said, you know, that doesn't sound fair to me. I said, why don't we believe that you'll start getting bonuses this year? And all of a sudden the board meets and they say, well, it's not fair for us to pay all the managers except the HR. They're in charge just like these guys. 
$10,000 came out of nowhere in one year. You understand me? And so now this is what the devil's stealing because we don't speak up and challenge what man's, challenge man's rules. So when that pinata busted, his money fell out. And then all the other managers that were pushing paper, right, Ray? The paper pushers don't get no respect in the, if you ain't pushing steel, you ain't real. Uh, they don't even, they don't consider you alive. You might have a pulse, but you on life support. Cause they felt like we making the money over here. We do everything. You ain't entitled to nothing. But God. See? And so from that, you add to your trust in God account where you're not fearful about finances anymore. Nobody's mistreating you and not paying you what you're worth. Amen. We always stood on that scripture. Workman is worthy of his hire. Amen. You're worth what you get paid and what your job demands from you. So you're always worthy. Uh, if let God drop a number on you. God, show me a figure. Amen. And we'll go for it. I remember, um, I think poor Nola was my prayer partner and she was so eager about everything. I said, Oh really? Let's do that then. You know, but I remember we, uh, our, when we bought that house on tilt, remember the, our realtor drove a white Cadillac. Aubrey drove that gray one. And they they were parked side by side in the driveway. Well, I'm sending Nola a picture of the house. You know, I said, this is what our house looks like. This is, she said, oh, his and her Cadillacs. Well, I'll pray for you to get one just like his. I said, huh? <laughs> Out of him? <laughs> really? He'd give me a Cadillac logo shirt. <laughs> Let me drive around in that. <laughs> but if, it, it, what did it take? Maybe like two years. And I had it. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. And so I don't think it was that long, to be honest with you, because it was just time. And so by challenging, and trust me, if you can twist my husband's arm and get a Cadillac out of him, that's pretty powerful, God. So that raised my trust account up way high, way high. huh? Let God do the arm trust t- twisting. I don't have to do it anymore. Amen? Amen. So, so God will do those things, but it's, it's important to, to add to your trust account. Uh, these things won't hurt you. Nobody's going to kill you if you pray for more of something. You under, if you expect God to do greater things for you. And these things are necessary. You'll look up one day and you'll think back. You say, you know, I'm glad I believed God for more back there, you know, before it got necessary. Cause you'll get to a point in your life where it may be necessary to have the more amen amen and psalm 21 7 did we do that one yet says for the king trusted in the lord and through the mercy of the most high he shall not be moved so when you trust in god you won't be moved huh you won't be evicted you won't be repoed you won't but you got to trust in god you can't do this slick willy stuff you know what I'm saying? And think God's going to come back you up in some nonsense. huh? You would have to wipe the slate clean and say, God, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm expecting it to come into my life. Amen. And make it soon, please. There's no harm in asking for soon. 
no harm <laughs> whiplash wilma up here on the front row <laughs> psalm 31 I think it's verse 19. Let me see. Oh, how great is your goodness. When you trust God, he can only bring good in your life, folks. Amen. You won't be disappointed. How great is thy goodness which you have laid up for them that fear them, which thou hast brought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. Now, this is the, the important thing, trusting before the sons of men. Taking the ridicule of people who think you've lost your mind, who think you're, oh, that's not necessary. You know, well, uh, why would you ask God what color shoes to put on? Or whatever, you know what I'm saying. Um, trust means that you are engaging in relationship with God. You know, that's part of how you relate to him. And relationship is everything, folks. How you relate to him, what you know about him. That's how people can trust you when you go to pray for a a total stranger. You come across with a confidence that comes from trusting him. That confidence that you feel is a manifestation of your trust in him. Psalms 37.5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. You notice it didn't say about you speaking anything into existence. He brings it to pass. Amen. Sometimes you think about some things you you say you want in a hurry or you want this right away or that right away. And, And then you look back after it comes in by the hand of God and you think to yourself, boy, I'm glad he didn't bring this to me when. You know, (laughs) I was so and so and such and such. I'm glad. Amen. Psalm 57, one. How am I doing time there, Miss Cloretta Tyre? 57, one. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusts in you. The soul that trusts in God will always receive his mercy. Amen. You gotta, you gotta trust him to get mercy. Trusting in other things or doubtful or anything. You gotta let it all go and just throw yourself into the everlasting arms, as they say. Throw yourself on the mercy of God. So, um, where are we? 57.1? It says here, for, for be merciful unto me, for my soul trusts in thee, yea, in the shadow of your wings. Will I make my refuge until these calamities pass over me? See, that's a strong statement because while most people are sitting up nervous and crazy and all of that, look at these people that were in the Bahamas where that hurricane sat on top of them for two whole days where usually it just moves a little more rapidly in a few hours it passes through. Two days that thing sat over that one location and caused all that destruction. People who survived had to be willing to trust God through that calamity and know that it would pass and they would keep their lives. You got me? You would have to know that. And you know that because you got stuff in your trust account. 
sometimes this can be your first rodeo with god you know what i'm saying but hang on to the end of the ride don't let go of the the ropes you know people want to let go of god and go to worrying again like that's really going to help you but when you trust god you can let go and and if new things pop up you're still not moved huh look at job in one day lost his kids lost his property lost everything was robbed a fire broke out in his property he lost everything and before one bad news bearer came the next one was right on his heels telling him more bad news more bad news more bad news but he had stuff in his trust account and he added to it through that experience you see it's important that we understand that we're adding to our trust in god when we go through these experiences proverbs 3 we all know that said trust in the lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding your own understanding can come from your experiences with man you know what i'm saying your trust account depends on your experiences with god so we have an account of faith that gives us a reason to trust god whenever you put your faith in god there are experiences there are testimonies there there's information there's knowledge that increases your trust the more experiences we have with god the more we have in our trust account because all your experiences with him are good only way they could not be good is that you really didn't trust god you thought you were trusting him amen but you weren't so we can draw from our account and we must draw from it if we are going to live a successful life so what can we draw out of our trust account to help us when new situations arrive number one is testimonies revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb that is our our covenant with god and the word of our testimony but we don't put our lives ahead we're not fearful about whether or not we're going to come out okay if we trust god you see what i'm saying we don't love our lives unto the death and that means that you're not fearful about your safety security or anything if you drop your ability to help yourself and let that go and then pick up god see if you drop your ability to help yourself that means you trust god with everything the reason we quit trusting god is we think we can still do something to if I deal a little bit more here, you know, cut back a little more there, do a little, you know, all the conniving and, and God hears that and cuts that off at the pass because he wants you to learn that you can trust him. A lot of times we think we can't trust God. Huh? We, we really think that man has a better plan for us. Huh? Yeah, we do. You, go to the lawyer because you think he has some inside information he can go pay somebody off for you and he he ain't doing nothing but taking your money huh instead of go to god i mean if you do have to go to a lawyer go to god first amen and forget about them tv lawyers they got to pay the bill for their ass they ain't thinking about helping you huh come on now let's let's get serious here all right so testimonies this is how we overcome this is there is power here in your testimony we begin to testify of god's character 
What has he done in the past? Has he been faithful? Has he been merciful? Has he been good? Has he enabled us to be able to do all of the things that were on our agenda with him to accomplish? Has he, has he done his part that we expected him to do? And so when you begin to examine your trust account in God, you examine them for godly character. Amen. It have, has it established God's character as being something you can rely on? Trust will compel us to believe him for what we need in the now. So your testimony of trusting God and God coming through for you. See, this is why God instructed the nation of Israel to rehearse these things in your children's ears. You're to tell your children about the goodness of God. You're to tell, remind your children, you know, that God did this. Grab them up and make them pray with you. So that they can have uh, some some interest, you know, they can have a little skin in the game. So then they can see that God answered that and I was a part of it. So then one day when you have to cut them loose, they have that testimony inside of them. They have something in their God trust account so that they can they can withdraw from that and know what God is going to do. So this is how we overcome. I was thinking about yesterday, Coach Josh Dillard had his first win. Amen. Amen. Their first win. So that was kind of sweet to see. But but I can remember when Josh was just believing for tuition, believing to get in to a school, you see. So his account has got stuff in it. So it's nothing to believe them to make him a coach, his first job, his first asking of God to put him in that position. See, there's been enough in there. Amen. I, I was, I, I remember Pastor Shirley telling me, she said, Josh got up and we prayed for him and, and he told us all, all God had a plan. <laughs> she said, everybody. So, oh, okay. Well, thank you, Pastor Josh. You know what I'm saying? I'm like he was encouraging. We supposed to be praying for him. He encouraged everybody else. You know what I'm saying? But, but it'll come back like that. See, that's in his parents' trust account and his too. That's from agreement and shared belief in God. Amen? And, and, and praying and asking God to do these things for us. That's, that's how your account grows. Amen? So trust will compel us to believe him for what we, there'll come a point where you wouldn't do anything else but believe God for things. You got me? You feel foolish taking your faith off and doing something else with it. David had testimony in his trust account. He killed a lion and he killed a bear. And he knew that God, he knew he could trust God because he had those two experiences. So it doesn't take many experiences in God to add to your trust account and build it up to where you know that you know that you know that God will come through for you. Um, God helps us not because of who we are but because of whose we are. Amen. God is no respecter of persons, but he does respect faith. And he does respect trust. And he does respect his word. And so when God, uh, uh, when we have experience with God, that, that is money in the bank. Amen. That's, that's, you can, you can 
cash the check and spend the money on that one because he's come through for you before the fact that he did it one time means he must do it again do you hear what i say he must do it again you know that that's the first thing the devil will steal from you is the repeat performance on god's part you know it, that that's such a common thing there was a song they made like in the i don't know it's an older song like a country he'll do it again amen may not know not how may not know when but he'll do it again see it's so common that the devil steals that revelation from us that they had to write a song about it you know because it's such a common complaint among christians you know do i go back to the same well one more time amen and yeah go back if you've been fed go back your pets got that much sense huh you know it don't take but one introduction you you bring a new puppy in your house and show him where that bowl is he don't get confused and go in another room and start looking in every corner he know exactly now he may not know where the paper is to go on but he will find the bowl so he can get fed you understand what i'm saying so they expect it to be a continual thing amen amen so sometimes they they might go and bury stuff because they ain't sure about you but they know <laughs> they know where that bowl is they know they go get fed if they go there so if it's happened once they know it will happen again so you are protected you 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 trust god because of of him and know that you belong to him henry groover the prayer walker confronted gang members drug cartels muslim extremists all based on his first time testimony with god that god gave him a way to uh remit sins by forgiveness of sins whenever he was confronted with evil he would forgive that person and god would give him peace in a song and he said if he didn't get peace in a song he stayed where he was until it came and when he got peace in a song he could walk into any dangerous situation and know he would come out unharmed why because he had that first one-time testimony and he built a ministry on that one-time testimony of god bringing him out of trouble amen supernaturally he's faced all kinds of dangers he went to an island that that island that was inhabited by snakes um and and because of witchcraft uh, that was where some of the principal witchcraft workers in asia would go and and meditate and spend time there and i'm sure some many of them got bitten by snakes well the thing was overrun with snakes and god told henry to go over there and reclaim that island for him and he said when he left there he said as since he's been gone he said they built a bridge from one island over there they've got trees growing that people are going over there again why because all the snakes are gone because because remittance of sins drove uh, those snakes out of inhabiting that island so people can have it again amen god wants us to live and you have that same faith and trust in god that he has amen we just don't get up and use it that much we we barely use it for the things that are necessary sometimes but we need to use it more amen if you're a person who prays and we pray in this ministry 
you have that ability for the remission of sins. You do it every time you go out and ask people if you want them to pray for you. You release those people from sin long enough so that God can have his way in their life. Lester Summerall ministered on every continent of the world because he had the testimony that he could trust God. The first time he was told to meet uh, Howard Carter, who was a man that he ministered with, he was to meet Mr. Carter somewhere. He had I know he had to get on a boat from somewhere in Asia and go and meet him. Uh, but Dr. Carter told him, he said, we don't talk about money. <laughs> oh, really? When we talk about God, and stop it. But he told him, he said, you're responsible for your money to get where you need to go, and I'll be responsible for mine. Amen? Yeah, we don't take up no love gift and bless the minister. Brother Summerall didn't have money or a ticket, so he stayed. He said, told God he was not going to eat. He was. He said, you've got to give me a ticket before tomorrow morning. He said, and I'm not going to move out of this. He had a little hotel room, boarding house room. He said, I'm not going to move out of this room until I get it. And so he said at 7 that morning, he prayed all night, 7 that morning, the woman knocked on the door with breakfast. He said, I'm not having any. And so, and he meant he wasn't going to leave that room until he got his ticket. Next person came up, the lady let him come in. It was a gentleman that wanted to see him. And so Brother Summerall said, oh, okay, I'll see him. And the man told him, he said, I've been up all night. God told me that, that to get you this ticket on the whatever, you know, on the boat. And he said, we know you're a wealthy man. See, a lie kept him from obeying God. Because they had a rumor going around all Americans were wealthy people. And Lester Summerall dressed well. Now, he, he tell people in a minute, he said, you people don't know how to dress. <laughs> he was from Louisiana. We know how to dress down there. And I mean, he was sharp all the time. He wore his little fedora. And I, I mean, from top to bottom, he was clean. And so the man said, we know you're wealthy. And Brother Summerall didn't correct him. He just listened. And he said, and for that reason, I got you this ticket. Like, I don't want to embarrass you. I bought the ticket. He said, because you don't know how the ticketing system works. So even though he was believing a lie, God gave him a rational reason for doing what he was doing, obeying him. You ever have people do right things with wrong understanding of what's going on? Huh? Especially we have doubt about things with people. We'll have to have something we fix up in our minds to make it sound legitimate so we won't think we're doing something that's wrong. And so Brother Summerall got the ticket, got on the... But it was from that first experience that he... And he was able to put that in his trust account in God. So much so that he has believed God throughout his lifetime. He believed God for bigger and bigger things. The last thing he believed God for was one of those um, uh, Hercules, um, uh, what is it, sea something aircraft, the kinds that they load the tanks and the trucks and all that. When the president has to travel, they put all his cars and stuff on that thing. He believed God for one and loaded it up with food and took it to nations where people were starving. Amen. And was able to get in without their government stealing all the stuff from them. It's the other part about that. Amen. So when we have good experiences with God, we store those in our trust account to withdraw and rehearse in our minds 
when we need encouragement and faith to step out anew. And this is sometimes where we cheat ourselves. Because you've had enough experiences with God, most of us, that if you would sit down and just remember those things or rehearse those things, we would fret less about the new thing that's popped up. It's not a new thing. It's just the same old, same old. And the devil knows it works to keep us off balance, to make us, he loves it if he can torture us. You know why? Because if you're going to heaven, the only time he can torture you is while you're down here on earth. So he can't wait to get a saint under pressure. Dirty devil. Huh? The other way we, we, the other thing we have in our trust account is our visions and our goals. Because they come from God. Amen. Or at least they should. Don't have nothing in there that God didn't give you through meditating on his word. What has God shown you about where you're headed? That's in your trust account. Because his, if he's given you permission for it, you already have faith for that thing to happen and for it to come to pass. Everything for the, for the money for your bills coming in to, if you have need of, of a vehicle, if you have need of whatever it is, clothing, whatever you have need of, that's in your trust account as a vision and as a goal. So everything that you hold precious is held in trust for you by God. So the things that you want, if your children's education, that's held in trust by God. You just have to stay with it until that thing is released to you so that they can enjoy the things that they have a vision for. Amen. You want it to come in a way where there's no sorrow attached to it, there's no anchors, no chains, no shackles, huh? All these student loans that are floating around here for schools that just indoctrinate them to be rebellious, amen? We have uh, uh, women's studies, black studies, Asian studies, red people studies, amen? play paper uh, I remember when when I was going to school and and kids would just sit in so they wouldn't they would have sit in so they didn't have to go to class you know power to the people so everybody went and bought them an afro wig and a dashiki and went and stormed somebody's campus power to the people well what do the people demand we want what we want. Huh? African American studies. So now you can get a degree in it that does you no good. Because the people that's making money is pushing steel, right, Ray? <laughs> See what I'm saying? I'm telling you, I lived through that time. I remembered when all the hippies, the little white kids with the long hair, some of my best friends are white. I'm not being racist here. All of them cut their hair and went back and got their they job in daddy's company. Those are the hedge fund managers, the Goldman Sachs people. All them people cut their hair and went right back in that office. Of course, daddy was, was powerful enough to get Congress 
to release money for drug rehab for most of them. So that's, that's who took up the money for all your government funded drug rehab programs. White, wealthy, I won't say color because I don't know that, but you know what I'm saying. The power elite people, they always get everything for themselves. So now we got bogus degrees flying around here. After the, the power to the people left, then the women's people came in. Now the LBGT people are sitting there. They want LBGT study, so you got to do all that in kindergarten now. You understand what I'm saying? It's a sham, folks. But in that, there is the path of God for your child to get a decent education. Amen? So you got to trust God to get them through this landmine of nonsense out there. And get them strapped with a large bill that they can't pay because they can't get a job in what they study. Huh? It's not that depressing, folks. Just use your faith. Amen? So if, if God, God, through visions and goals, God has shown us where we're headed. You need to know that what God has, what you have planned is scriptural. Amen? And you get that through reading your Bible and through getting a peace in your heart about what it is that you're working on in your life. Does it make sense to you is what you need to know. If you have gifts, talents, and abilities, how does your vision and goal fit in with those things? Amen? It's good to make plans around what you know because you will begin to grow from there even if you branch out into a different area later on. It's best to make plans around what you know. To do other things may frustrate you because it might take a big leap for you to get from one area to another one. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, you know, these fairy tales aren't, that's what they are. They're fairy tales. They aren't real. And so we have to have a, a concrete plan from God to get from point A to point B. Amen. God wants us, he wants to give us direction. You need to get out the prophecies that you've been given amen because they will point you in the right direction that's part of your trust account where you were just thinking about something and praying about it and then all of a sudden god had somebody speak it to you to confirm it to your heart and make it solid in there amen all the ideas that come through your head in a minute's time you can't they all can't be from god and they all can't be a part of your future. So prophecy helps to sort that out for you. We need to uh, uh, draw from the words he's spoken. If you keep a journal of answered prayer, or you keep a journal of things that God has spoken to your heart, revelation he's given you, that's in your trust account. Notes that you take on sermons, those are in your trust account. Whatever you have that brings clarity to your life and direction, you can draw from these things to increase your trust in him. The other thing that's in your trust account are your prayers and your petitions. Now what does God tell, what does the word tell us about God's response to our prayers? Number one, it says that we have an assurance that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if he hears us, we know we have what we're asking for. Amen? You should never leave the throne room of heaven with doubt in your heart. 
you can stay there until God gives you reassurance. He says if we be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You're not supposed to go, after you pray, you're not supposed to walk around rattled and unsure. Amen. If you're rattled, that's because you're trying to shake something out of God's tree that he don't want you to have. So leave that woman's husband over there with his wife. You know, people get some crazy ideas. What do you know about God's covenant? That's in your trust account too. What do you understand about the blood and what that means? That God walked through blood and made promises to us. That the life of his son was given to make those promises sure. So he's locked himself in. He can't. He's boxed himself in where he can't get out without giving you what you ask for. Amen. Even if you have to be like the woman before the unjust judge that wore him out asking. Huh? Now, I know. We faith people have been told that's bad manners. Huh? Don't go back and ask again. It's unbelief. I'll take my relationship with God any day over the do's and the don'ts of somebody who's making a living selling books and tapes. Huh? Nothing wrong with selling books and tapes. I'd love to sell more myself. You understand what I'm saying? But you got to think about the fact that if God has promised you something, And you're holding on to the promise. You're way ahead of the person who's still doing steps and formulas. Huh? Steps and formulas are for cookbookers. Huh? I know this is going to date me and it, it will be a tragedy if I have to confess to my real age. But we had home economics when I was growing up <laughs> LBGT oh man but anyway <laughs> see you weren't allowed to bring that piece of paper you copied your your recipe it wasn't but three ingredients you copied your recipe out of the book everybody made a copy you went home and studied it And then you left it and you didn't come in and keep looking at that. See, the difference between your trusted account and the step and formula people is just that. They're cookbooking. And you have relationship. You understand what I'm saying? You have assurance. You have knowledge. You have power with God. Oh, yeah, you got power with him. You can, your faith can influence him. To give more than you thought you could get. He gives exceeding. If we will expect that. The Bible says he gives exceeding and abundantly above what we ask or think. 
he'll say things like well she's going through such a hard time down there everybody's persecuting her because she wants to do this and do that for me and she's still standing strong i'll just open the window up and throw the whole thing down there for her amen because she's trusting me whereas the little person that's trying to do three steps here one step well i can't say this because if that means i don't trust god and if i say this i said oh hogwash what god says hey just come on up here and talk to me about what you want huh i don't care if you cry and leave i don't care if you get upset and quit and say you're gonna quit i know you'll come back huh see there's nothing off limits except unbelief as long as you're coming back with a teeny bit of faith i don't care how many times you go back to god you come back with a teeny bit of faith he has to hear you he's not not hearing us because we have little faith we have little faith because we quit we let somebody talk us out of what we know that we know that we know we need from god if you've got a need he'll fulfill that need for you he don't care how big that need is and he doesn't care where he has to go to get somebody to do it for you and he says his word says and he says if i don't have it on me i'll make it for you you understand what i'm saying so we serve a god who he will go to the ends of his covenant a blood covenant means i'll take my own life and everything here will cease to exist if i don't give you your deliverance that you're asking for he staked his life on it you understand that so when he says that you guys you can take that and spend the money you understand what i'm saying you can do all of that because god means what he says but you gotta keep your trust account strong folks because we need it all the time amen we're gonna need it even more because god's requiring more of his people now amen all right we'll stop father thank you for your word and thank you for your honesty before us to give us everything that we ask for without fail thank you lord you are never going to fail us not going to forsake us you're not going to treat us wrong when we do wrong you're going to break out the fatted calf and put the best robe on us if we repent father we thank you for that that we trust you and we love you in jesus name amen if anybody needs prayer come on up and i'll pray for you for you for you